0: Hello and welcome to the Citizen Femme podcast, the show where we delve deep into the journeys of 12 inspirational people. We are coming to the end of our series and we've had some really inspirational women. In this episode, I am joined by the incredible Alice Templey. Alice, thank you so much for joining us. Alice Templey, I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself if that's all right.
1: Yeah, Miss Alice Templey, I'm really happy to be joining this podcast. Thank you for having
0: me. And tell tell me, Alice, where are you now? Are you in Somerset?
1: And now I'm in our beautiful new studios down in Somerset. And we relocated here at the beginning of the pandemic. And obviously Somerset is home for me. I grew up here, grew up on a cider farm just up the road. And I've basically split my time between Somerset and London for the best part of 10 years now. And I just took the opportunity whilst I could to um, be based down here. And I moved the whole studio and my team down here. And I couldn't be happier to be back and have made that, that life choice. So I'm calling from Somerset. I'm in our studios and can feel spring coming.
0: And I feel just really happy that something good has come out of the pandemic wonderful Gosh, how lovely to be it must be beautiful there right now tell us about somerset
1: growing up in somerset was um bucolic it was uh we were grew up in the middle of nowhere on a, a cider farm overlooking the somerset levels um and i have a very sort of romantic no- notion of sort of childhood and wanting to bring up my child in the, the same way so you know feeling the seasons and really knowing how you know Everything in Somerset works and the the farming and the the lambing that we did and um to have the space, I just think is invaluable to to give to children and and also really for my for my team and my work to be able to have more space and A different pace to be able to really focus on being creative Um, obviously you know the industry is a a rat race and we were all running really really fast and uh, just moving back has kind of given me the chance to sort of refocus and have everything in one place our library um, and our atelier and making here and using local suppliers so it's a whole new it feels like a whole new beginning were you quite creative as a child so uh yeah we we grew up being creative and we were always making things and we weren 't allowed to watch TV we had to be outside when it was uh, daytime and only allowed i think with the age of eleven we we managed to get a TV and and be able to watch it after school for a little bit, so we were always making things um I made to sort of work around the farm or um, or making things with my mum and my mum's kind of source of inspiration really in my life she's amazing at etching and potting and building mud houses and log cabins and um and taught us how to use the sewing machine and I think that kind of growing up in the countryside with hand-me-down clothes I just wanted to cut anything that looked remotely sort of luxurious and felt good and wanted to make my own clothes and then um and then the sort of going to festivals and parties and getting lots of vintage pieces and altering them. And it was just a way of me being able to have my own expression and my own wardrobe, I guess. So we were always encouraged to make things. Um And I think that's sort of the beginning of escapism through clothing and the way that they made you feel. Um And then that kind of led on to when we did get a TV and discovering black and white movies and, you know, Edith head costumes and realizing what kind of bias fabric did and how that made you feel. And I was always pretty much in trouble for either breaking the sewing machine or cutting up things that I wasn't supposed to um, have got my hands on, beautiful shawls or um, things that my mother had that she treasured that I didn't, you know, question the fact that I wanted to cut them up and I just, I just did it. So, um, we were encouraged to be creative, um, from early on. And that's, I think why I love the process of, of making things so inspired by people that used to come to the farm or or local people that had, um, you know, design, They used to design, so local potters and stained glass people. And um, Sally Tuffin lived close by and she was part of Tuffin and Fall. She had to have this amazing archive and library and going round to her house was always sort of eye opening. So I think being surrounded by people that came through the farm or lived locally was definitely the beginning of how I ended up doing what
0: I'm doing. Gosh, so that interest in design started right at the beginning.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we were taken to the bead shop in uh, Covent Garden by my grandfather's girlfriend and get beads and things, and then was making earrings and selling them in my dad's cider house on a kind of crappy cork board for pound twenty. And I remember, you know, I used to have my regulars, and I think they were so sort of baffled by this young person just sort of desperate to make things and sell things that um that's sort of that's how it started and then it went into doing things out of textiles and um anything we could kind of make and and sell to earn some pocket money so um yeah it was good that my parents had people coming through the farm and a little a little window for us to sort
0: of make our pieces uh, enterprising from the very beginning <laughs>
1: that or crazy one of the two I think it's finding something to do in the countryside and um I think just when you're when you're making and creating um
0: there's just the fact that you can earn pocket money after it was 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 a novelty so you studied textile design at central saint martins and then royal college of art I mean it almost sounds like it was inevitable to follow that path then
1: uh I think, well, I've, my parents certainly wanted me to go into doing like veterinary or science or anything but fashion. And um, the creative, weirdly, the arts weren't something that was supportive, even though we were surrounded by kind of artistic people. My mother is incredibly creative. Um, there was always the pressure to um, study something academic. And so I did my sciences and I and then decided that with that, I wanted to sort of continue making and learn more about processes. So I ended up doing textiles, and I, I never studied fashion. I always liked, um, well, I always liked textiles. I liked the prints, so and my masters is actually in in print, and that combined sort of jacquards and knitting and printing and then making clothes. And, and the reason I got into fashion was solely again because to pay for the art course obviously is really expensive. So I would make my fabrics into clothes to try and sell them to, you know, pay for another portfolio and another body of work. So, um, yeah, it just, I started doing print and I probably should have gone into doing photography or interiors and hopefully that will all come. Um, but it was always, it was always the making. And I think the thing I love most about the industry is, is, working with suppliers and the factories and the different skill sets they have and being able to understand the processes about you know how to make interesting engineered um clothing because it's 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 not a um we don't just buy fabrics and make the clothing um which would be much more straightforward and maybe that would be a sensible way to do it, but uh, we design all the fabrics. We design all the jacquards. We design um, everything in-house. So all of our prints are hand-painted, all of our embroideries we design with all of our own components. So it's really the process, and i probably make it way too complicated for myself, but it's the process of how we make it ours and we make it something that I think is um, timeless um, because of the way things are made. And, um, that's the bit that I really enjoy. And I think those informative years of growing up in the countryside surrounded by creative people means that you enjoy the, the the craft and the process more than some might. Um, and that's what keeps me going really. And as we kind of evolve and sort of survive things like pandemics and keep evolving with new suppliers and techniques and processes, um, You know, all of this is opening up now into doing homeware and all the things that I've been longing to do for years. So being based back in Somerset has kind of given us the the sort of headspace, if you like, and the space to be able to plan, making it much more of a lifestyle. And the lifestyle will be based on, um, you know, Somerset and what informed me from early on and textiles. And I think it will be a big change. Now we've just survived this pandemic, which has been really hard, um, is to come out
0: being a more of a lifestyle offering, which is super exciting. That is very exciting, and and it's lovely that Somerset's back, very much an integral part of, you know, that journey and creating it all.
1: Yeah, and we're about to launch also a new um, relaunch our Somerset collection. And I think growing up here you want things to be able to put in the washing machine and really work for you and those really easy pieces. And and growing up around here where, where not everybody can afford, you know, really expensive dress or has the need for, you know, escapism and evening wear or um or or bridal, um, is to be able to create something and offer something that people can really afford, those sort of day pieces. So that's all relaunching. Um, in uh, imminently and hopefully in about a month's time um, and uh, the beginning of March and I think that that gives us the all-round offering something is very um, you know accessible and that's really important to me to be able to offer something within our umbrella that everybody can have um, and the way that I grew up was not to be too exclusive and to be you know inclusive of everybody so that's really exciting that we can we can give that offering as well as having kind of Temply and those really investment pieces and the homeware so i'm really hoping 22 is my year and 22 is the um always been my number that this year it finally after years of
0: slogging at it becomes um all comes together so I actually want to go back to when you founded Templey. This was am I right is it just a year after graduating from the Royal College of Art you founded Templey in London?
1: Uh yeah but that was that was me and I was also Lulu from accounts and I worked with a, a girlfriend of mine and um we kind of we got picked up by about 20 stores uh when we did, showed our first collection which was literally just in a in a hotel room. And then had to really quickly learn about uh, producing, delivering, invoicing, and then all of a sudden having to do another collection and another one, another one, and the kind of that those years. I think it's the last now, twenty-two years. I hate to admit it, but have gone so quickly because you just end up doing one collection and another collection, and then you can kind of do way too much and try to please too many people and do too many collections and then all of a sudden we find ourselves here and you've learned a lot of lessons you know the hard way and you've worked really really hard but finally after all that time it kind of feels that it, it's beginning to make sense one because i feel like i'm home in the place that i want to design everything from and we've sort of been around the world learning everything and um, and that feels that feels good but i think that yeah we've definitely learned all the lessons the hard way and to be independent still as an independent brand and and to have survived all the tests of sort of the you know the the, the recession and various other things and then this this recent situation um has put us in a good position to be able to now know what we want to do and how we want to do it so um i think most people would have given up by now but I think I'm looking at it as like as a it's a it's a new beginning
0: well I'm very glad you didn't give up <laughs> because it's a thriving and the strong and wonderful brand um what would you say were some of your highs and lows or perhaps some of your learning moments from those earlier years or even more recently having gone through this awful pandemic
1: uh highs and lows there have been so many of them and I think that um to begin with it was like kind of learning about um you know, how to produce and to deliver and then the next collection, the next collection and the cycle of it all. And because I wasn't fashion trained, I mean, I'm really lucky that I was supported at the beginning and again, amazing support from people from the beginning. And I think it was the innocence of just doing kind of what we thought we should be doing and what we wanted to do and a passion behind it that, that gave us the support that we obviously needed to, to build a brand and um and then it was really the, the roller coaster of the expectations of being in the industry that was really hard. So the shows, the the reviews, the more shows, the people asking for um just demanding lots of things so you know keeping up with demands of um wholesale accounts and department stores and um we've changed everything now to be more direct to consumer so we don't have to sort of answer to so many people and keeping people in america happy is different to people and asian people happy is different to keeping middle east people happy um and the challenges were trying to um expand quickly and keep everybody happy. And what I've kind of learned after all this time is that you do things that you make you happy. And then if you're enjoying it and it makes you happy, then people are generally going to like it. But I think that the trouble was just trying to keep everybody, everybody happy. Um, And then, and then also teams that's, that's also been a challenge over the years is, you know, finding the most brilliant people to work with and suppliers um, and I've been really lucky that I've got lots of people within my team that have been with me for a long time and suppliers that have been incredible and loyal um, and challenges through, I think, through supporting each other through this pandemic. It's been like hell on earth with, with the sun, with, you know, shops going down, wholesalers not ordering, um, people with family problems with with COVID, people not being able to come to work, um, homeworking. Uh, moving out of our Mayfair store, moving our studio. I mean, literally the list, if I wrote the list of everything <laughs> that we've been through in the last two years, it's totally um, bananas. So I think the biggest challenge has been in the last two years, but also the biggest opportunity for growth, realizations, new plans, uh, licensing deals that have been signed, which should give me the opportunity to do lots of different categories that I would have never been able to do otherwise. Um, And you're constantly learning and you're constantly evolving with, you know, your fabric mills, your manufacturers, changing market, more, you know, social media, whether it's uh, direct to consumer and your own website. Um, Brexit was also a massive problem where we had to open up a distribution unit in Italy to deal with, um, you know, the import things that were whacked on us by leaving european union um and the you know everything that we were then importing from all of our europeans or product we were importing it just changed the whole pricing structure and then having to ship things into england and back out again um was the logistical nightmare and i think the hardest thing within the whole industry and it always has been is that it's kind of you know quite straightforward designing clothing um and you know anybody could really do it if they put their their mind to it, but it's it's the processes of how you get things done and delivered on time and uh, the logistics behind it, all um that is the is the constant challenge. So, um you know moving our HQ and surviving Brexit and and the the frustrations with everybody for pandemic and team morale has just been. A challenge that none of us could have ever expected, and and many times I don't think we even thought we were going to survive it because you just it was the unknown of of basically nobody was needing to go out or um, have weddings or parties or travel or you know go to department stores because effectively retail was kind of closed for seven months at least. Um, so I think everybody in our industry has has had to jump over so many hurdles and be really agile to be able to get through it so um I think the last two years have been the most challenging I definitely feel like I've aged a lot the last two years where I look at pictures from three years ago and it seems like a distant uh, distant memory but at the same time I feel like I've I've learned stuff and maybe earned a few stripes because it shows um I guess some sort of weird determination to to not let it go after 22 years of being quite
0: passionate about
1: it so I fought my corner and I'm lucky to be
0: sat here today. Absolutely I mean two years has been such so tumultuous for so many people Um, and thank you for sharing all of that it's I mean you've got uh, the pandemic of course and you've got Brexit and all of these other factors that come in which are so mad that you've had to deal with that everyone's had to deal with in the past two years. Is there particular lesson that you think you've learned since launching the brand? Or perhaps in the last two years, actually?
1: Uh, Keep it simple. Keep it. Don't try and do too much. um, Try and make as much close to home as possible. So my passion for moving back to Somerset was to try and make as much as we possibly can locally so we're working with fox brothers up the road that do loads of amazing fabrics for um tweeds and things for chanel and lots of people and they're, they're here just near bridgewater and um developing suiting fabric with them and then making our suits in england um, whereas normally we would obviously use italian cloth and make them in in europe and um, we're actually doing them now in, in england which is great and then i've been trying to Pre-pandemic, which was obviously with lockdowns, complicated, but trying to find new suppliers um, every week, which is now every month because of timing. Um, and I found this amazing factory called Fortis, who do loads of stuff for the police and military and kind of country wear. And we did a whole series of outerwear with them, and they're going to be the first carbon neutral factory in Europe. And they are amazing. It's run by a 27-year-old guy called Oliver, who we've all got a bit of a crush on, and. Um, And he's going to be totally, he's going to be the first carbon neutral factory. And he's just so proud of what he does. And all the fabrics are uh, sustainable and um, everything is also really durable. It's obviously for the police and military. So all the seams are sealed with um, plastic recycled bottles from the ocean. And I just think that's just such a lovely thing to do, because obviously as a girl from the country, it's not all about a glamorous dress. I also like things to be quite utilitarian because that's my other side, which is why I love suits and shirts and that very functional side of things. Um, and um, and then we've also found a leather factory that's we've now, um, instead of making in Italy, we're making leather just up the road. And they have a fully vertical factory. So they have a tannery on site and making on site. And that's 20 minutes away. So our outerwear factory is 20 minutes where we're weaving some um, beautiful cloth for our suits is 20 minutes. Leather's 20 minutes. Um, and then there's another factory down the road um, called Swiss Chool, which is the largest tool factory in the world. And going in there was like a lot of my Italian trips rolled in one because um, you're going to see machinery, which is dating from um, 1840 and uh just incredible looms that are just would never be made anymore, but they're still working, making kind of almost invisible jewel out of cotton and silk. And um, to have that down the road, which was, I think it was nine minutes from my house. And I never knew it was there. I never even heard of it. Um, but then I worked out that I was actually buying the same tool through an agent in London. And that, with no idea it was made nine minutes as the bird flies from my, from my house. So that I kind of got all emotional and sort of started crying when I went in there a little bit. Obviously, I hid it behind my mask, but I was just it was so beautiful to see all of those machines. And I think being a farm girl as well, it has, um, I quite like warehousing, I love machinery. Good forklift always makes me smile. Um, but to see all of that um, process right here in Somerset with people, um, f- you know, fixing really fine. Little runs in this incredible tool by by hand, and um, just having it right here it was just is just amazing. So I'm looking forward to finding more people to work with down here, and supporting you know Somerset and, and local people and the story. And I just think it feels very authentic, and I think that you can't kind of knock that really because you have to be authentic to survive in the marketplace now, and telling a story which is very true um and and working with people that are in the area and being really kind of harnessing what somerset has is much more valid as a brand than you know working in a kind of commercial space just behind that grove where we ended up in london um without all of those connections and um it just seems kind of madness that more people don't maybe move out of london and really you know encourage and embrace things that are still here in, in england um and when I when I started, there were lots of we worked with lots of factories in England. And then over the years, they kind of fell by the wayside and um, people were producing more abroad. But now there are more and more factories within the M25, especially as well as obviously the ones I'm finding in Somerset that are setting up again. So it's it's actually easier, which is perfect timing because of the Brexit um the
0: brexit mess is to find more english suppliers so that's i find really really exciting i think it's tremendous and you know customers are much more savvy they definitely want authentic um sustainable and conscious buying and and, you know local supplies is such an important part for any brand story and certainly what consumers are looking for in their purchasing moving forward so that's you know that's a tremendous achievement that you managed to it's great that they've opened up and they're accessible that all these all these factories and suppliers are there to use
1: I think now, with the import duties that you have and you know moving things around, and people are wanting to buy buy less but better quality, you know people aren't especially in our level of the market you're not we're not looking to produce thousands of something we're we're making less and to be able to have a shorter turnaround more close to home and um, for us to be able to really embrace that direct-to-consumer model where we're selling on our own websites. We're not waiting for wholesale to – I mean, we do still wholesale, but we're not waiting for them and their orders. We you know, we start a collection a, a year in advance. We make this the sample collection, which we're taking to Fashion Week next week. And we have our wholesale orders. But at the same time, we'll be ordering our own colors. We'll be ordering more flash products. So um, we're not waiting for – you know, that's six months for things to be delivered. We're just much more fluid in what we're ordering because we go straight to our own website and more direct to consumer. And that's that's really exciting. And that, that's that been one of the biggest changes since I started in the business is that I'm not relying on um, somebody from some wholesale store to say they like something to be able to make it. And if I like it, I now have the opportunity to make it. Which is is not relying on somebody else's taste or customer in, in somewhere in the world. Um, it actually means that you can get a much clearer uh, vision of your brand out there because you know they might come to us just for buying a dress of a certain price point, whereas I love leather, I love tailoring, I love all our shirting, and it now means, you know, rather than somebody who's now in this market being very conservative about what they're buying, because reality is nobody really has had a need to buy that much. So they, they're, they're going for the very safe commercial bets and are growing my brand. The proof is doing our suiting. So our suiting, the moment we make, make our suiting, it just sells out straight away. But to have had to have wait for the wholesale to say, yes, I want the suit, and then another six months to say, I want another one, it means that I can kind of, keep them going and monitor what people are wanting ourselves and produce for them directly so that's been um brilliant because it just means that we're much happier and more nimble being able to really do what we want to do for our for our customer rather than hoping that they're going to you know find us within another store so that's great. And it's good for us. And it also is good for the wholesale people because it will then guide them into, you know, seeing really what what works and that
0: helps the brand evolve. You were awarded an MBE for services to the fashion industry. How did that feel?
1: Uh, it felt like a joke. So I had a, a PA at the time called Zoe, who I adore, who was way posher than I'll ever be. And um, she came up to me and she goes, oh, you've got a letter from the Queen. And I said, don't be silly. And she goes, no, you have. It's real. It's a letter from the Queen. And we didn't think it was real because it was in a kind of quite a normal envelope. And uh, so I thought it was a bit of a joke. And uh, then we decided to kind of check out whether it was real or not. And then we we figured out it was. And I just thought it was brilliantly flattering, but also just I, I thought it was flattering and baff, baffling because I just thought how can I get one when I'm nearly just sort of um making clothes but it was um hugely flattering and the fact that I I flew in from I think flew in from LA that morning on the way to the palace quickly got changed went to the palace and the whole thing was after a red eye flight was kind of surreal and I was obviously super chuffed to get the queen give me my medal um and flattering I'm, I'm still sort of quite surprised that I have one I certainly don't think I earned it at the time um and maybe you know maybe I think I might have earned it after a few years in a few years time but but a, flat, a flattery it was it was ultimately ultimately great
0: <laughs> so you've currently got four standalone stores in London is that right and then you've got Dubai, Qatar and Somerset
1: We have uh, two standalone stores in Somerset, in London, sorry. One is specifically by appointment for bridal red carpet dresses um, and special things. And then we have a ready-to-wear store in um, South Kensington. And I'm looking to open a new flagship in London, so I'm just looking at a perfect location where it can be very much the lifestyle element, mirroring what we've built in Somerset um, in London. And I think it's really important when you have – one flagship is is has everything and it's exactly how I want it to feel look smell with all of the different collaborations we're working on so that's really exciting that we're we're starting to look um and then we have Marbella which is great very holiday focused obviously um the Middle East which is a very successful part of our business and we've had that there for quite a while it's in the, one of the biggest malls in the world um it's the total opposite for for me growing up in somerset and everything i sort of stand for but i but i love going there and i just think it's it's brilliant that people dress up for kind of breakfast lunch and dinner and um and that they really kind of embrace that whole escapist side of our our collections and the evening wear that's that's great um and um yeah, so those are our main stores. And then we obviously wholesale in lots of stores and then our website is a is a forever growing part of the business.
0: We spoke about some of your ambitions for the brand moving forward. So the lifestyle element. Um tell me exactly what you have coming up.
1: Uh we have lots of collaborations. I'm not sure I'm allowed to mention all of them, but we've got we've we've um obviously done some jewellery collaborations with a We've done this amazing massage um, body oil with Bosquia, we've done a Papier wedding uh, collaboration for all the stationeries, about 30 or 40 different styles of stationery for everything wedding focused. Um, and then we're relaunching our Somerset collection, which we are now going to sell globally for the first time ever. Uh, and it's going to have its own dedicated website, which is super exciting. So that's going to be very accessible and really be a kind of little sister to what we're doing in, in Tempoli. Um, And that will mean that um, we'll have much more opportunity to sell in Asia and America. Um, So that's, that's a whole different part of the business. Um, And, um, and then home is the other thing, which I've always wanted to do some sort of slightly, always been obsessed with homeware. So on, on the side, I kind of have a um, Alice Wonderland by Alice On there is headpieces. I collect quilts that I make to order beautiful lace panels that I make for people, for their homes. And, um, and then carpets that I made in Axminster carpets, which is 20 minutes from here. Amazing made in England, incredible machines, again, um, and a technique that's exclusive to um, Axminster Mill, beautiful carpets. So all of that I've kind of always done just as a sort of side hobby and for my house. And, um, and we're just going to be launching something massive in uh, January 23. So we've been working incredibly hard for the last eight months on something that will be will be announced and launched um, globally in January. So, um, yeah, we have to watch the space for that. But that will be super exciting.
0: There's a lot happening
1: <laughs> i know i'm sometimes when i reject sometimes weeks are really busy like last week was just inc- insanely busy running around like a mad person and then uh and then i ended up having a blowout on the m3 on the way home which was just like the just nail in the coffin <laughs> at the end of the week and then i'm like okay this week is quieter so just enjoy that time and because I'm in somerset i was felt so lucky today i just went riding for two hours at lunchtime and um just to have that balance where if it's quieter just take the time otherwise I'm the sort of person that can just go and go and go but then I work put everything in and then you have a bit of a crash so now avoiding those now I'm in Somerset there are so many things going on and there are a lot of mood boards in action but there's also amazing you know team of people behind it so everybody's quite excited that out of this situation we've kind of building something new and they are all kind of about all the projects are sort of about to come to fruition and you can see them evolving and i'm just really happy we made it through to be able to hopefully sit back at the beginning of next year going okay we did it and now this is this is you know it is a lifestyle brand it's not just clothing um but I think you just, you know, it's 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 the work you put in and
0: I definitely feel like we've now put in the work. My final question for you, Alice, why does fashion matter to you?
1: Uh, fashion matters because it's a, a feeling of um, expression and I really do believe that clothes make you feel a certain way um, and I design to escape into uh, another world, whether it's sort of fantasy mixed with reality uh when people put them on, I I do believe that it makes them feel a different way. And for when people give me that that feedback about you know what happened or the experience they've had in it or the enjoyment they get out of things, it kind of makes me happy. And I like the process. And I like working with people that actually make the pieces. And for me, it's not about fashion and and, and statement and the next best thing it's about making things that people really love and you can have great experiences in them you can tell stories in them and when you put something on you should be able to go you know on a journey in them and I I do believe that the things we make enable that for people so um I think there's a little bit of magic in everything I hope there is and that's why I do it
0: that was so lovely. Thank you so much, Alice, and such a wonderful way to end this chat. Where can we follow you on social media?
1: Uh, I have uh, Templi London, um, Templi Bridal, which is um, all bridal things, which is will show lots of the collaborations coming up. I have Wonderland by Alice Templi, which is all of my things that I'm making for the home. Um, and then um, Alice Templi, which is me. Oh and Phoenix and Phoenix Studios, which is our which is our amazing HQ in Somerset. So if anybody's in Somerset and they want to come and see us, we have an amazing cocktail bar, a bakery, a really beautiful courtyard, and in the summer we're going to be opening a rooftop bar and um and that's where you can see our studios and our atelier where we do we use up all of our fabrics and um and it's just a really lovely place to visit so if anybody's listening to this thank you for listening and come and see us in Somerset
0: Alice thank you so much I wish you the best of luck with all of these incredible incredible ventures coming up and collaborations fashion week coming up as well um thank you thank you so much thank you thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode please do rate and review us catch you next time